Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee, your tea, sit back and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above for this week. I can't believe it. It is now the full second week of June. Wow. Time flies when we're having fun, right? <laughs> um, so today uh, we are going to be talking a lot about the full moon, which doesn't occur until tomorrow. But also today, Mercury moving back into Gemini, uh, where he actually turned retrograde and headed back into Taurus. So now he's back into the sign he started the retrograde with, coming back through the last bits of the degrees that he was in. And as well, I want to do a quick visual recap of our Venus conjunct Uranus from Saturday. And of course, we'll talk about some of the points of Sagittarius that we need to be aware of for the full moon in Sagittarius uh, for tomorrow. And I want to just say good morning. Everybody's checking in early. I love that. Good morning, Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel, Christine Buckingham, J-Lo. And Christine says, or hearts, I love the little hearts. Kajella, good morning to you. And I'm sure others of, the, of you are going to be checking in here shortly. So let me share my screen really quickly and show you uh, I made up a little video this morning and let's see, is it going to be in a window or a Chrome tab? It is. Here we go. Share. So remember on Friday, we were talking about Venus conjunct Uranus. And <clears throat> I even said that there would be, could be, I always use could because you never know, could have been really good news coming out about the um, economy or it could have been tanking information coming out on the economy, but Venus rules, of course, the banking system, the stock market, the mortgage systems, sort of mortgage as far as the cash, the money that gets exchanged in the system. But in the bigger world, uh, Venus rules the, the uh, financial system. And as you can see, we have a stock market tipping, tipping, tipping down, down and down. So I wanted to share some of the um, the headlines from this morning's news, the S&P falls into bear market territory on Monday morning after worst week since January. So that's from Market Watch. And what we see is a stock market, of course, down, down and stock um, uh, people were talking about a bear market and whether or not we would tip into that territory. Apparently, we have tipped into that territory now. And also from MarketWatch, stocks sink again as hot inflation reading triggers market shockwaves, what investors need to know. And this is a word I haven't heard since the 70s, stagflation. And stagflation meaning a sustained inflationary force on the market. And it doesn't seem, it's not like, you know, inflation where gas prices go up in May because everybody's going to be traveling. Uh, and then go back down in uh, September, October, when everybody's done driving. It is about how stag inflation has a staying sort of feel to it. But these, I'm sure, were kind of shocking to people who were actually um, in the know. And that is Uranus for you, pure and simple. And I also wanted to point out, which I haven't really talked much about the other inner planets and in astro design as to what they do. Periodically, I point them out. But this week, Mars is also in the gate of shock, the gate 51. 
and starting today, actually, I believe it was, let's see, hold the phone. Yep. Starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow. Uh, and we'll be there for one, two, three, five, six, seven days, a whole week. So Mars in the sign of Aries, the sign he rules could point us to good shocks, like things that come out of the blue, like our ability to rise to the occasion and do something different. Um, kind of feels like that with the gun uh, issue here in the U.S., where both the House and the Senate have agreed into some form of gun changes, like rule changes, law changes. Nothing real profound and huge, but it's huge that they came together to work on it. It was a bipartisan uh, law and or a bipartisan uh, group of, of senators that did this work. I mean, that's huge for the things that have been happening in this country over the past couple of years, actually around the world for the last couple of years. So I wanted to share the aftermath of a Venus conjunct Uranus. And hopefully for all of you, it went by smoothly, no big, huge ups and downs in your relationships. For myself on Saturday, I was at a birthday party for an 80-year-old man who was my next door neighbor before we moved over here and we've remained friends. And he, uh, it was amazing, 80 years old. He is still, looks like he was, you know, 70. It was amazing. I first met him when he was 66. So we were counting up the years and going, oh my gosh, right? We've known each other that long. Uh, my two youngest kids were still at home when he and I first met. So it was kind of fascinating to do that. So anyway, it was a good weekend. Uh, no major big changes that I could see, but I kept seeing the stock market information. And not that I pay attention too much to stock market. I couldn't speak intelligently on it really, but it is amazing to watch astrology in action. We are living astrology. So we, are, we have that. Uh, yeah, Celsius, Susie. Yeah, I saw that, a crash. Crypto is not doing much better than the stock markets. Uh, I saw this morning, too, that Bitcoin was down another 5%. And, of course, you know, any any of the other altcoins kind of go the way that Bitcoin goes. And they and Ethereum, they all sort of uh, are being pressured down along with the stock market. And I would love to say I know exactly what's happening there. I can tell you that it's likely a response to the unsustainable nature of what it is that we've built, right? This was uh, also a part, I believe, of the Pluto and Capricorn. And originally, if you take it back a couple of years when Saturn and Pluto made their conjunction in Capricorn, and then Jupiter came along and did the conjunction there, and then Saturn and Jupiter conjunct in Aquarius. They're not necessarily stock market planets, like Venus is the one I would see for that. But they also set the tone for what's happening on a social or cultural level. And it was apparent that there were going to be some shocks, some bumps, some thumps, some changes ahead. And sure, surely we felt those. And surely we'll have more as time goes on. And I guess the reason I share this with you is so that you understand these things are happening in a bigger way, a bigger, wider world, and that it has nothing to do with necessarily with us individually, unless we hold stock. And, and yeah, all of us probably have some kind of 401k or some kind of retirement fund that's likely being hit by this, which begs the question of something I brought up on Friday is we need to find a better way to take care of our elders as they 
uh, age and have things that are safety nets for them so they don't fall through the cracks. And how annoying it is that some of that is uh, totally lost in some of the other issues that we choose to focus on, for example, guns, things like that. So anyway, world and change, right? The world and change, and it's the astrology that shows us what is possible. And I think the other thing about it is that you have to maintain this um, clear boundary for yourself in that you don't have to fall to whatever it is that's going on in that outer world. Your job is to focus on what it is you desire and what it is that you want and to move forward with what is in your life and the uh, living as intentional as possible, right? Intentional. So if you have an intention to fall prey to the stock market or to the variable uh, nature of the economy or to whatever, then that's likely going to be something that you experience. But if your intention is that those things are happening, yes, I'm aware of them, but I'm working on this, I'm serving in this way, I'm sharing in this way, uh, then you rise above it and we end up with through intention of changing the experience that we have both individually, but also collectively. So it's not like we're not empowered to do anything about what is happening, <clears throat> but rather than trying to change it from the outer world, change it from your inner world, right? Change it from your own um, ideas, from your own uh, instinct and intuition, your own knowingness, right? And knowingness is going to be huge in this full moon. And so let me take a look and see if there are any questions about things going on there. Pam, good morning to you. Uh, she said, good, everyone. Having just done studies in astrology, love now how it mixes in life and in human design. Indeed, I, I love that. And that's why I'm doing that more and more is weaving this story because there's, and I, I, I do weave the stories of other systems as well when they are pertinent. But for this week, for sure, astro design really does kind of pop out, especially because we can see the aftermath of a transit. And we are also looking at a full moon that in my estimation is a hugely positive one, uh, potentially for us to let go of some of this old stuff and move forward in some powerful ways. But before we can get there to the full moon, which by the way, happens in Sagittarius, the sun in Gemini, the uh, moon in Sagittarius at 23.25 degrees. And if you want to, you can tune in to where that is in your own personal chart. You don't have to be a Gemini or a Sagittarius to be affected because you have both of those signs in your astrology chart somewhere. And whatever house that that those two signs are across is where the part of your life will be affected by the full moon or where things might be uh, showing up in your world. So a first house, for example, Gemini might be experiencing some personality changes uh, with the sun, maybe incorporating more and more communication, more and more mindfulness, while the full moon for that person would be in the seventh house and maybe uh, change, taking and becoming more communicative or more emotionally connected to people in your personal life, your spouse, your significant other, family members, etc. So depending on the house that all of that falls in is how it would be affecting you personally. 
Now let's take a look at what the moon in Sagittarius or what Sagittarius as a sign represents. So when we look at the light or the highest expression of Sagittarian energy, remember in the uh, constellation of, of Sagittarius, it is the archer who has his arrow pointed at the galactic center, which represents the heart of the matter, the heart of the solar system, right? At the truth, right? At the dead center bullseye of our solar system that we live in. In the light, we have a philosopher air here. This is a sign that holds deep thoughts, that makes connections to other realms of uh, beliefs, and can weave a new story about belief systems. I think there's a real mythological energy around Sagittarians and Sagittarius. They either live out the bigger, wider myths, or they create them, right? They create their own myths. This is an optimistic placement for the moon to be in. Uh, the, the planet Jupiter rules Sagittarius, which means has more influence on the energy of Sagittarius than any other planet. And Jupiter is about growth and expansion, taking a wider viewpoint, looking at the bigger picture, right? So looking at the bigger picture brings us optimism. And there's also a bit of an explorer adventurer energy in the light of Sagittarius, willing to take some risks to step out to follow its passion. Remember, Sag is a fire sign. Fire signs are creative. They are passionate. They kind of are impulsive at times, but they are very willing to take steps forward. And Sagittarius is mutable fire. So we have also changeability here, the ability to transform. And Sagittarius as a sign in the positive can integrate truths of all kinds. There is no one truth, right? I saw something that Tom wrote out there about not paying attention to the mainstream, but you have to pay attention to the mainstream. You have to pay attention to the mainstream and you have to pay attention to the alt stream or you're not getting the full picture. Thus, what Sagittarius can do very well is to see the bigger, bigger picture, stepping back, looking at the wide field of information or the wide field of potential and creating the story from that point of view, integrating truths of all kinds, right? Not just one truth, but seeing many truths, kind of like a, a kaleidoscope of truths, if you will. There's genius in the sign of of Sagittarius. They are intellectual. There's also generosity here, very generous spirits. They're straightforward, honest, ethical when they're working in the light. So these are the energies that we have building up for us as far as we go into the full moon tomorrow. Now there's also the shadow energies, and these are sometimes peppered in amongst the light. And sometimes you can see somebody that has fallen into the Sagittarian shadow. They're dominating. They're trying to dominate the conversation. They're trying to dominate the truth. They're trying to dominate the truth by creating their own truth and not like really the truth, but they can be impulsive. And these are parts of our own character, by the way, the shadowy parts of ourselves that we also have to own, right? We also have domination, impulsivity. We might have too narrow of a vision, which in the shadow lacks perspective, right? Lacking perspective. Um, there's dishonesty here, right? Where we're not going to be honest. We're going to cloud the truth. 
procrastination, putting off until tomorrow what I don't want to do today. There is opinionation, opinionatedness. How do you say uh, truth skewed from a personal point of view? And there is bluntness here and a tendency to say my way or the highway, that kind of mentality that can get us caught up and stuck. And rather than being in the transformative nature of this particular energy. So when you're looking at where this is in your own chart, what might you get stuck in? What might you have been, uh, maybe you hold too strong of opinions and it's not really truth that you're holding there, but it's opinion. So look to where Gemini and Sagittarius are in your chart. Those houses drive what it is that can happen for you during the full moon. All right. So let me take a look here. Um, Susie says, my partner, George, is Sag, the happy wanderer. As a child, he told me it works for us, Gemini, Sagittarians, the happy wanderer. I love that. Yep. Um, there is a very distinctly wandering part of myself as a Gemini that, but my Gemini son is in the 12th house. So it's hidden, but, and it, it's sometimes like, I'll get ready to go on a trip. And I'm in full on anxiety all the way up until I finally walk out my door and get on the plane or get, you know, to the airport, whatever. But up until that point, I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to go. No, I'm going to stay home. Right. It's like the reluctant adventurer wanderer <laughs> that I have. <laughs> but it's fun to watch how that plays out in our lives. Right. Uh, so Leilani, hello to you. It's good to see you all. And uh, let's see, J-Lo, I love it when it's like that. Uh, Sylvester said something. I thought it was the full moon last night. It was so big and had a rainbow aura, likely clouds. Good morning, Michelle Gay. Good. It's good to see you out there. And all right, any questions, you guys go ahead and just drop them into the chat here and I will uh, come back to those for you um, because there's a lot to talk about with this full moon. First, before we get there, let's talk about what comes before that. And that is the, moon, the uh, planet Mercury moving back into Gemini. A couple of thoughts about that. First of all, remember on Friday as well, besides the Venus conjunct Uranus, which was like the dominating theme of, of my show on a Friday, we also had Mercury in a trine to Pluto. And those signs work well together, right? Taurus, uh, where Mercury was, is until he moves today. And uh, Pluto in Capricorn, Earth signs, right? They work together to get down to practical business. And I think he kind of got that, that energy kind of got lost in the thought of, you know, Venus and Uranus coming together and the possible explosions or unexpectedness that would be the hijinks between those two. And uh, one of the most wonderful things I think that came out of the weekend, at least here in this nation, and you guys in other countries might have to look and see, you know, from the news cycles, what was happening in your own nations, where two different parties who have been on opposite sides of, you name it, like if one is black, the other is white, uh, were able to come together and work together for the first time in like my lifetime, I think, um, over guns, right? That's a big hot button issue in this country. And yet that happened. Thank you, Mercury and Pluto in a trine right? That energy sort of holding over the weekend and even into this week affecting us, uh, likely even with uh, Mercury's move into Gemini, bringing that closer and closer to reality where we're using different mental capacities 
right? We're using a different, what I saw was compromise that happened between the two parties, the, you know, not everything that the one side wanted and not everything that the other side wanted, but an ability to bring it together and work together in harmony that Mercury trine Pluto um, brings, right? That would be a harmony of transformation. So certainly a transformational energy for this nation. I don't know about others. So that one kind of got, you know, uh, not as focused upon, but there it was. And then today we have uh, Mercury moving into the sign of Gemini. This is the sign he went retrograde in. And so we've already experienced the first four degrees of Mercury's move through Gemini. And I'm just looking real quickly to see where, what gate. So now Mercury tomorrow will be in the gate. Today he moves into Gemini at the gate eight which is a gate that is on the throat center. It's the gate of contribution. So what contribution are we making now? That's the, the, the message, the final message of Mercury's move through the gate eight, which straddles Taurus and Gemini. And then tomorrow moving into the gate 20. So the gate 20 is also up on the throat center and is a gate of patience. It is a gate who uses its voice in a way to help people discover where it is they are best to use their energies. But it comes with patience. Like you can't just go out and start, you know, telling everybody, you do that, you do that, you do that. It has to be something that you're invited into because it's throat energy. So Mercury moving into Gemini is going to give us about five, six days of needing patience in all of our dealings with people and finding the right people for the right jobs, putting even the finding the right jobs or the right positions or the right opportunities for yourself are also what Mercury will be engaging here. Remember, Gemini is a sign that is communication and the mind. So throughout uh, the, let's see, he moves into, he doesn't move until July into Cancer. Do, do, do. Mercury moves into Cancer on July 4th. How interesting is that for this country? Um, so we have, you know, from today until July 4th with Mercury in Gemini, where there's a lot of mind focus, a lot of intellectualism, a lot of needing to learn to listen, as well as learning to speak appropriately in the right timing to the right things, right? So that's an important part of Mercury in Gemini. Now, there is also the potential with Mercury speeding up now because he's not retrograde anymore. He's starting to move faster, gaining speed, which also can mean that we start to gain less ability to focus on one thing, right? We might be scattered. That might trigger some nervousness within us, uh, some ADHD feeling as Mercury starts to speed up through these signs because Gemini energy is quick energy. It's quick thinking. And uh, when we have Mercury in a sign he rules, he's more empowered and he's actually moving forward now. So when he was slowed down, we might have had more ability to focus or to concentrate on one thing or another. But now with him moving into Gemini and more and more you know, speed coming, it might be our inability to focus that comes up for us than in the more shadowy negative side of all of this. So just be watchful for that. And if you notice that you're starting to get really wonked out by focusing, getting scattered, especially if you are, 
you manifesting generators do this really well, right? You multitask and you can get things done and you do better when it's like that. But for the rest of us, the generators, projectors, manifestors, and reflectors, we might be the ones that get a little wonked out by having too many things dropping in that need to be taken care of. So we need to slow down purposefully, right? We'll have to take our time. We have to remember not to get caught up in the multitasking and leaping around that the manifesting generators do so well. But it's there, so we'll have to learn to manage it. So maybe using exercise or you know, uh, meditation or yoga, you know, putting those things in between the times where you have to use your focus energy on something, right? So like for me, a good time to do that might be after my show before I go and do uh, readings, right? So I can bring my focus energy back in. And then when we get into July, of course, uh, Mercury will move into Cancer and that brings up a totally different energy for us all during that time. But we don't need to talk about that yet. Uh, okay, so uh, that's funny. My Mercury is five Gemini. I have been chatty. Oh, yes, I'm sure you have been. And I am less than stellar as a driver. Uh, I There was a funny thing one time I read, uh, Susie. I think, it, I, I think it was an article in an insurance, like, uh, I don't know, it was online. And it was about what signs were the best drivers. And the number one best driver, and these are by who has the fewest accidents by signs. So they took birth dates and they figured out the signs and the drivers that had the least number of accidents were Leos, <laughs> which I was surprised by. The second safest drivers are Geminis. And the least safe drivers were Librans. Libras, right? And I could see it because they're indecisive, right? They're waffling. Should I go? Like I get ready to go and then I stop. And then, you know, I might put myself, you know, in a position where I can't, uh, I have to make a decision and not to make the decision is even worse. So that was kind of a funny thing. And I wish I'd kept it. I might've kept it somewhere, but uh, it was Leo and Gemini and gosh, what was the next one? It might've been Capricorn. And then further down the list at the bottom was definitely a Libran. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that was funny. Uh, now, are we ready to go into the full moon? Are we ready for the full moon tomorrow? The, to me, the full, I'm going to show you, I'll, I'll show you in a minute, the pattern of the full moon that I thought was so freaking interesting. And I'm not the only one. I have seen others talking about this as well, but I want you to see maybe I got to highlight this a little bit better for everybody to see this. It, now that I look at it again, it's almost more like a web of connection. So I'm going to show it to you now. So here we go. So I want you to see right here across this axis here is the full moon. So we have the sun over here in Gemini and over here we have the moon in uh, Sagittarius. Now, when you look at this, we start to see that all of these points at about the same degrees are connecting with each other through the signs, through, of all things, semi-sextiles, which we've spent quite a bit of time talking about. So when you look at it, you know, at first I looked at it maybe because of the way I drew it, it looked like a chain. But now that I look at it, it almost looks like, you know, the beginning of a web, right? A spider web, a web, but definitely chains where we have the south node in a semi-sextile to the full moon. We have the full moon in a semi-sextile up here to Pluto, a little bit wider than the others, but definitely close. 
we have Pluto in a semi-sextile to Saturn, Saturn in one to Neptune, Neptune in one to Eris, Eris in one to the North Node, and the North Node in one to the Sun. It's extraordinary, right? I don't think I've ever seen a pattern like that. And all of that's activated at the full moon, but it's already building up. So remember what we said about semi-sextiles. They bring tension. There's a little bit of tension there. And that tension creates a move where we, where we have to cooperate. We have to come together. We have to compromise. We have to build together. So I'm also wondering if it isn't this pattern that's starting to, you know, bring disparate people together or parties, you know, political parties that have these different ideologies together in some form or another, but also happening in our own personal lives where things that were out of sync or things that didn't work well together, building up to be able to come together because there's this tension that we might, we sense, we feel it, right? It's a little bit of a tension and annoyance that, that we've got to do something different if we want to make something work. And so we try something new, cooperation. <laughs> we try something new, compromise, and we come together and we work together and we get something done, right? Or even in your own life, again, you being able to get something done to change up the energy. So looking at that, to me, that spells H-O-P-E, hope, right? Hope, because it's a skill that we're learning as people, as humans on the planet to remember how to cooperate, to cooperate at a new level right? To um, compromise in a new level, to understand that we're all on this planet together. It's going to take all of us, all of our skills, all of our knowledge, all of our willingness to work together to solve the problems of the world that we are in, to see things from a different point of view. And yes, sometimes that doesn't work very well, right? Sometimes you don't get everything you want. But if we learn to work together, that is a huge thing for us on planet Earth, right? Just kind of helps to heal the polarity that we have. We still have different ideologies. We still have different viewpoints. We still have different ways of going about finding solutions, but we have a chain of solutions here. That's what I see, a chain of solutions, one after the other, potentially building up to create a new reality for us. Now, when we look at the Sabian symbol for the full moon, this was the part that really got me is that I looked at the 23 degree uh, Sabian symbol, and it says a bluebird perched on the gate of a cottage. And essentially what that meaning, the keynote behind all of that is that good fortune comes to those who remain true to themselves, but also are willing to work with others, right? So we have good fortune coming out of this, even though there is some trickiness about this, right? There is some trickiness. I'm not going to be Pollyanna on you. There is some trickiness coming, but the trickiness is the the, um, the the sort of impetus, the 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 challenge for us to be more than what we've been, right? That it causes us to rise above. It causes us to rise up to greet the challenge. So while semi-sextiles are sometimes just sort of relegated to the basement of astrological configurations, with this chain of them going on, it's hard to ignore. Right? It's hard to ignore the potential. And even if it isn't the potential that we see, even though I see it right now out there, it's that it's telling us what we need in order to be able to go where we want to go and do what we want to do to save our planet, right? to save ourselves, to um, create 
a new reality, we are going to have to learn to work together and to cooperate. So it's cooperation. And then I also want to point out that each of these sextiles also has in that a sextile. So the sextile is between the bigger things. So like Saturn to Eris, right? So we have to skip Neptune here, but also Neptune to the North Node and Eris to the Sun. And over here, we would have then the South Node to Pluto, right? The, the sextile is a 60 degree angle. So we have sextiles and semi-sextiles all built in together. And a sextile builds in that ability to see each other's point of views, right? We may not speak the same language exactly, but we have something in common that allows us to see the other's point of view. So we have the sextiles built in there and the semi-sextiles dominating. So it's a learning curve. Right. We could look at that. Hey, that's that's a great thing. That's a, this is a learning curve right here, a learning curve. Right. For us to learn how to get along, for us to learn how to be more sustainable, to be more uh, less heated in our rhetoric and more uh, willing to come together. And so to me, that almost looks like a tipping point that we're getting ready to move over uh, when we look at human design. Right. We now need to look at astro design. The astrology is the full moon in Sagittarius. And in human design, that puts the full moon at gate 11. And gate 11 sits on the Ajna, the second center down. If yours is colored in green, it means you have a defined Ajna. If your second center down is white, you have an open Ajna. The defined Ajna has certainty, right? So those of you who have green there, you think in a particular way and you know things in a particular way, you have access to certainty. Those people that have it open have an open mind, right? So that your mind is more uh, agile, let's say, and can come into, uh, you know, kind of morphs by the people that you might be around. Like coming into contact with someone with a defined Ajna, you might think like that person while you're there with that person and be certain about what they think. As soon as you separate from that person, then your knowingness goes back to open thinking, open-mindedness. And it's not that the defined ashna is closed-minded. I don't want you to get that idea either. It's that they, they have defined ways of thinking. They have defined ways of being uh, mental, right, in their mentality. And it doesn't mean that they're negative, but if they got into a negative mindset, then that could be very difficult for them to change. But an open-minded person could literally be doing mental gymnastics. So not necessarily better than the other, but that is what we're looking at in terms of gate 11. Gate 11 sits on the Ashna and it's called the gate of ideas. It is a gate that is full of ideas. And, you know, if all of us on the planet come with a bowl of ideas that we're going to work through in our lifetimes, people with the gate 11 came with lakes of ideas or an ocean of ideas. They have a lot of ideas in that they are here to learn to share those ideas with the right people and to share those ideas in the right time and then to take action on ideas that are correct for them. So we have the full moon sitting at the gate of ideas, providing us with a ton of ideas for how we could solve problems or how we could create something new. And yet we have to be very careful about 
not trying to act on all of the ideas, right? We don't have the, we don't have the resources, the time, uh, or the need really to act on all ideas. We just can't. So we have to choose the ones. And the way we choose is that we wait for the invitation to share the ideas, right? We wait until we see the need and we respond to the need with an idea. And then we share that and then we talk about that and then we build on that. So the moon itself in Sagittarius at the gate 11 is bringing us the ability to think about and create from a new way of thinking or a new way of being with our thoughts. Right timing, right action, right people, right? Strategic even a little bit in that. And it's in the Ajna, which is the center that fields the energy of knowing, knowingness. And know, there's all different types of knowingness in the Ajna. There's logic, which is our preferred way, right, on the planet at the moment, where we recognize patterns and we predict the outcome based on the pattern, much like some of the stock market stuff I shared first thing, right? They're predicting a bear market because they're seeing these markers, that are coming up that are telling them we're tipping into bear market territory. And that means maybe we're leading to a recession, that kind of stuff, you know, is um, logic at work, right? Predicting a pattern or seeing a pattern and predicting the future based on the pattern, logic. But the Ashna also holds knowingness. I don't know how I know what I know. I just know, right? Knowingness. And then also holds intuitive gates right? Intuitive gates that are linking us to our gut, right? To our instinct, to uh, a way of knowing that also, you know, defies description other than just gut instinct. So we have all of that potential for us to really connect from our body's wisdom, from our intuition, from knowingness, as well as from logic with this full moon, which means we might need to release our our uh, thinking that the only way that things can happen is through logic, right? We, we probably have to relinquish some of that thought. Now, the sun during the full moon is at the gate 12 called the channel. The channel connects us to super consciousness. The channel is called the divine channel, meaning bringing in information from the divine, from the super consciousness, from again, a place of, I don't know how I know what I know. I just know it's like this, this, uh, you know, a worldwide web, only it's the galactic knowingness. Um, it is also a mood area that, that because it connects down to the emotional center creates a field of mood that tells us when it's right timing to share and when it's not. So you can pay attention to the mood, right? When you're feeling more open and more bold, it's time to share. But when you're more shy or reserved, forcing yourself to say something isn't going to work, right? Because it's the mood that's telling you it's not time yet. It might be that it's not time or it's not the right audience or it's not, uh, for some reason, the right um, voice for you to use. It's not the right thing for you to say. So mood has a lot to do with being able to speak in this as well. So the earth, the sun and the moon in their relationship during this full moon bring us the potential for ideas of all kinds. And with this chain of semi-sextiles, the potential is there for us to cooperate in bringing forth new things and as well 
tapping into the divine, tapping into higher consciousness. Now, if we start to, to look deeper into some of the other planetary connections that are going on here, we will be able to see how some of the other planets are playing together. The sun, of course, at a full moon is always in an opposition to the moon. So what we have is the sun, uh, our worldly self, right? The part of us that is very out in the world uh, versus the moon, which is more of our home or our family, our traditions, our inner world. So we have them in opposition to each other. And what we're trying to do is bring in a balance, a balance or a harmony between these two big energies. And the full moon is always about a completion of a cycle. There are some things that are potentially coming to a close and or maybe it's a revelation, an aha, an epiphany that occurs with the light of the moon, right? That helps us to see something that was hidden from us before. And we become more open to he to seeing that and, and allowing that revelation energy. Uh, but then also giving us the ability to release what no longer serves, what no longer makes sense, what no longer works in the world that we're in or in the uh, evolution that we have become, right? If it doesn't work, then no matter how many times you try to make it work, it isn't going to work, right? That's insanity. So we have the potential to let go, to release, to bring to completion, or to have that revelatory moment that shows us, ah, that's where I need to go. That's where this works. This is how we can make this happen. Now, also, when we looked at, I'm going to do this darker now. Where did my dark green pen go? Oh, it's upside down. I want to show you, this is the opposition. So we have the opposition with the sun and the moon, right? Right here. And then we also have them in an exact, pretty, pretty close to exact square to the planet Neptune. So that would be the biggest, other than this chain of semi-sextiles, which is just amazing, we have a square to Neptune, both the sun and moon squaring. That's actually called a T-square in uh, astrology. And a T-square brings tension. A T-square calls for balance. It calls for us to harmonize these energies in some way. And usually the harmonious aspect comes from the opposite side, which uh, with down here right so the t-square balance point comes at the opposite of the focal planet which the focal planet is neptune so the balance points down here at the end of virgo so virgo practical purifying uh organized um open to using logic in a new way or using thinking as a beneficial uh way of uh, in, in a, as a benefit to humanity, it's a very service-oriented sign. How do we want to serve? So when we look at this particular pattern, we see the moon and uh, sun squaring Neptune. We have the potential for deception. We have the potential for something that either we're deceiving ourselves over something or somebody's been deceiving us and it comes to light, right? So there's the potential for some form of something of a deceptive nature coming up. Um, there's confusion, right? Anytime, anytime either the sun or the moon come into some sort of relationship with Neptune, any planet, literally, the matters of that planet get confused because Neptune doesn't see things clearly. Neptune is foggy. It's like trying to, you know, see what the outline of something is through the fog. I mean, maybe you see the outline, but you can't see all the detail, right? So confusion is there. 
And it's emotional and physical insecurities, maybe that that triggers for us, right, where we feel like we're being lied to, or we're being deceived in some way, or we discover we've been worst of all deceiving ourselves about something. And now there's confusion and emotional or physical insecurity that come along with it. I also wrote down high strangeness in dreams and in our experiences, etc. like the signs and omens might be, you know, up in, in our faces. Uh, I woke up this morning and I told Terry, I said, I had the weirdest dream. I was at a camp. I was camping or uh, at a camp, like a, a resort kind of camp. And I went into the bathroom to wash my hands. And when I came out of the bathroom and I, you know, was looking at my hands, they were blue. I had blue hands and bright blue, like, uh, like, 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 remember when we were kids and we would finger paint and that tempera paint that we used to use that's thick and goopy. My hands were thick and goopy blue, beautiful blue, but blue. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I was going out outside to go to show everybody my blue hands. And when I went outside, they weren't blue anymore. They weren't blue. So I don't know what that means. To me, that's high strangeness, right? That's part of this dreams that likely has some kind of symbolic meaning. What does that blue mean? Blue hands? I don't know. But I'm sure at some point that will hit home and I will figure it out. So expect that maybe your dreams will be highly symbolic, that there may be some something weird about your dreams and um, maybe things sensing ghosts or sensing um, spirits around you. Uh, seeing things differently, all kinds of things like that. And also expect that your sensitivity will be increased, sensitive emotionally, sensitive psychically, but also your empathy, your feeling for others, and your ability to be empathic, to kind of note what is the feeling that I'm feeling uh, being increased at this full moon because of that square. And the best way to balance that is going to be to bring the more practical service oriented uh, part of that to bear, right? You're like, okay, use it somehow, bring it into, you know, look for the facts. If you have a sense of deception, look for the facts, right? That would be a concrete, uh, grounded, more earthy way of dealing with something like that. Um, Susie says, I've had interesting dreams too, Kajella. That explains a lot, uh, probably. Yeah. And remember, these things are already up because, you know, the full moon may be tomorrow. Actually, the full moon is at 4.52 a.m. tomorrow morning, Pacific Coast time. That makes it 7.52 a.m. for those of you on the East Coast. And for those of you in Europe, it'll be 11.52 universal time. So GMT, whatever. Uh, so 11, So it's all happening on the same day. Except maybe those of you in Australia, you are probably going to have it the next, it'll be the 15th for you while it's the 14th for us. So there you have that. Uh, another aspect that's occurring at the full moon is the moon in a sextile to Saturn. And I bring this up because it has a couple of different meanings that may color our experience of the full moon. Remember, this is all about good fortune coming to us if we remain true to ourselves, right? That's the Sabian symbol for the degree that the moon will be at. However, the moon and Saturn sometimes coming together can bring up melancholy or depression or a feeling of like you're ill at ease in some way. Like we're not quite feeling good 
right? We're not feeling joyful or we're not feeling that happiness. And I want you to know that that's also just something that's flitting through our experience. It's not that you're depressed. It's not that you are, you know, doomed to be melancholic or that you're doing something wrong, nothing, right? It's just a part of the experience sometimes when the moon comes together with Saturn, but that also confers emotional stability, right? Without going up and down, up and down, right? The moon, remember, moves fast and has many faces and many experiences in a day. But when it comes together with Saturn in a sextile, it can stabilize our emotions where we can see maybe more clearly what we're feeling. And it brings up commitment and loyalty uh, to ourselves and to our families, right? And our ethics. It has a very ethical feel to it that uh, not necessarily morals where it's kind of being dictated to us from outside, but uh, an ability for us to be in integrity and to act from our ethics or our moral center, our compass, our moral compass. Now, let's look at, I, I think I already listed the chain of semi-sextiles for you, but if we looked at them kind of separately, let's see how much time do I have here, Saturn in a semi-sextile to Neptune. Semi-sextiles, remember, cooperation, the need to com compromise, to, to make things work, right? To be able to work together. In order for Saturn, that is duty and responsibility and practical down-to-earthness to work with Neptune, which is all unconditional love, but also highly spiritual, we're being asked to ground in our spirituality, right? Our spirit, not our religion, right? It's not, not, it's not ideological in terms of how we adopt a spiritual point of view. It's the spirit of that, right? So the spirit itself being ground in in a new way. Saturn's in Aquarius. Remember, we're adopting a forward facing or a future orientation and using a spirit compass, if you will, to move us through to the future, right? That's what that means to me. Now, when we look at Neptune's semi-sextile to Eris, how does spirit cooperate with the goddess of discord? Right. I think I think of a couple ways. Right. One is that we see that discord is playing its part, that discord disrupts the old patterns and allows us to see things maybe from a different point of view. On the other hand, Eris's whole beef is because of intolerance and from not being accepted and becomes a, a, a call for more inclusivity. So Neptune, of course, from a spiritual point of view, sees all as interconnected, sees all of us as, as equals. And Eris would love that, right? Eris would say yes to that. So she's saying, yes, let's cooperate on bringing more inclusivity, more acceptance, more unconditional love, right? Into our experiences here on the planet. Now, Eris in the semi-sextile to the North Node. The North Node is our trajectory, our life path trajectory. So what are we, uh, our, our um, karma is in the South Node and our destiny is in the North Node. So karma meaning what do we have to release in the South Node in order to move forward to the North Node? The North Node showing us the sign, right? Go this way, <laughs> go this way. And Eris and the North Node then from a sense of inclusivity 
<clears throat> from a sense of acceptance and tolerance, um, moving more to a simplified version of, of how we are together, right? North node is in Taurus, a sign of the senses, a sign of manifestation, a sign of simplicity, right? Not complexity. We've we've done complex, right? And things are falling down because of too much complexity. Uh, we're simplifying, simplifying. And so Eris supporting the North Node, creating a little bit of tension there where we need to cooperate and get back down to the basics, right? The basics, what do we need? We need food, we need clean air, we need clean water, right? We need a climate that is sustainable. We need to be able to work with cities like Vegas, who's about to run out of water, right? Was it sustainable to build such a large metropolis in a desert? I don't know. Arizona facing the same thing. Likely New Mexico facing the same thing. So not that we shouldn't live in deserts, but there's got to be another way, uh, something that we could do there. And Eris helping with the North Node to simplify the path forward to, with new ideas, right? New things. The North Node in a semi-sextile to the sun. That's positive, right? That is taking destiny and the energy of the sun and moving it forward. Remember, the sun is at the gate of super consciousness. So there are new ideas out there that we've yet to bring in that can help us on our path to simplifying and building something more sustainable. The, the South Node and the moon. Remember the South Node, what we've got as gifts and talents and experiences, but also the baggage, the stuff that we need to release, the stuff that we don't want to have to take with us on our path forward. And the South Node in Scorpio, which also represents things that we hold on to, that we hoard, or that we don't want to let go for some reason. It could be grievances, it could be emotions, it could be literal things, right? could be ideas that we don't want to let go of. And with the moon and her changeable nature, maybe working with the South Node in this way means that we can finally let go of some sacred cows. Maybe we can finally let go of some things that have held us back. And that way it presents us the opportunity to move forward. And then the moon with Pluto, moon and Pluto, there's a whole book written about the moon and her relationship to Pluto. And it's called the Hades Moon. And I can't remember who the author is, but I have the book somewhere. And it talks a lot about how the moon and Pluto together work on the right timing for transformation. So in a semi-sextile, even though it's a little bit wider than the rest of these semi-sextiles, it might be that it is time, timing for the big transformation. And that transformation is going to be in the collective mind of humanity right? A big transformation there. And Pluto and Saturn now in a semi-sextile. Remember, they were conjunct just a year and a half ago, two years ago, and now they've moved, you know, a little bit apart. And now after coming together and creating the, the disruption and the um, disintegration and the degeneration of our physical world, now Saturn moving on to rebuild, to uh, see things from a future point of view, Pluto helping to cooperate in the regeneration of our lives. So highly, highly positive. I mean, I just see it all as positive. Uh, yes, thank you, JLo, for that reminder. Please remember to hit the like button for all of you people who are watching from uh, Facebook. 
And for those of you who are on YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button and also share either place. Please share with your networks. Um, if you are on YouTube and haven't yet subscribed to my channel, please do. I'm inching ever closer to that 1000 mark and I'm just waiting to get there. It's like a, a signpost for me. <laughs> it's a sign. Maybe I need something with blue hands to push to that sign or push to that thousand uh, point. Uh, don't forget this Friday, all of your likes, all of your comments and all of your shares count toward the drawing for a free reading. And uh, for a session, we're going to pull a name on Friday during the show and uh, send that out to the person who is uh, the winner of a free reading of your choice. And let's see, what else do I have to share with you? I think that's it. Um, so, Kajela, thank you very much. Irene, good to see you. Much love to everyone. I think Irene comes to us from Sweden. So we're a multinational uh, now. Woot, woot, Susie says, uh, what else? Any other questions? Eris Rise, yes to that. Uh, Eris's Discord, indeed. Um, it, you know, anytime we come to a, a time where we have so much potential, it can also be a very wobbly time. So I want you to know that this, I'm, I'm not saying that it's all, you know, coming up roses for us <laughs> um, as we move on. There's still work to be done, right? And the work lies in the cooperative spirit. The work lies in the compromising spirit. The ability to work together is when we come together and we set aside our own opinions about the way things should be and instead we work together, you know, bringing two different things together to solve dilemmas, right? And it's high time that we, we learn to do that, but it's not a smooth road, it's a rocky road. And that rocky road comes from our will to either do the work, come together to cooperate, or to keep forcing that polarity, to keep enforcing the duality on the planet. It's all in our choices, right? All in our choices. So what do we want? And how do we want to get there? That's what we have to work through. And yes, we're probably going to see lots of disruption along the way, because that's just the way it is that we move, right? Remember, we kind of grow it by two steps forward, and then one step back, right? That's the path. It always has been. So we never go completely all the way and backslide backwards, right? We're, we're usually two steps forward and one step backwards. And that allows us to get perspective, to see what might work better, to bring more spirit of cooperation to bear, and then we can move again forward. So that's kind of, if you look at your own life, if you look at the evolution of consciousness, that is pretty much how that has been working all of these years, all of our lives. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Irene said, I just came home. We'll listen to the whole show later. You're uh, most welcome, Irene. And also Kathleen Mallory, good morning to you. And of course, the the show after I'm done, I should just tell you, what do I do? Because I usually take about an hour after the show is done to produce this into a video um, that then gets loaded to Camtasia and then goes out to Anchor, which puts it out on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and all of these. But then I also break it into the audio only to go to Blog Talk Radio, where all of those shows get broadcast at 11 a.m. my time, so 11 o'clock in the morning. 
And yet you can always go to Living Astrology on Facebook or Living Astrology on YouTube and rewatch the videos there as well. So it's broadcast wide and it has, uh, you know, staying power for the week. It's not like if you come in, you can't come back later and watch it. So there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes after we're done that then gets that out for everybody to listen to in podcast format or in this video format, whichever you prefer. So oh, that is it for me this morning. I wish you all a pleasant week. I will see you on Friday. Also on Wednesday, I'm thinking uh, I did an interview recently with the Ascension Playground, which is our friend Ursula O'Farrell, who uh, hasn't been able to join us lately. She's been real busy on the days that I'm actually broadcasting, but I will release that interview on Wednesday for all of you to watch. So be, be watching for that. It'll probably go out on Living Astrology's Facebook page. I'm not sure if I can load it up as a YouTube. I may share it as a link to her YouTube channel. That might be the easiest way. All right. Take care, everybody. See you on Friday. Bye for now.